Welcome to Poolside Podcast. This is episode number 28 and I'm your host, Rachel Anthony. Happy Friday, everybody. We, we made it to the end of the week and I am interviewing my dad for this episode. Uh, when I think about the people that I want to put on the show, usually they are business owners, small business owners, entrepreneurs, uh, people that have hacked marketing and social media and my dad obviously does not fall under the social media, no offense dad, but he does fall under the entrepreneurial business owner type of person and he has had a long career and I feel like he can give actual business advice. Um, and so I am excited to share with you what he says. We started by talking about his career. He started out as an accountant and then transitioned into an investor of small to mid-sized businesses across different industries. Even though we're in Calgary, he has moved on from the resource industry. He started off in oil and gas, but then had moved on. Um, and he talks about how he knew to get out of the resource industry, whether that was luck or just watching the markets. And he shares why he decided to become self-employed before that and why he decided to move into the type of business that he does. He talks about what he looks for when he's choosing businesses to invest in, which is great for people who own small businesses that are listening and want to start reaching out and pitching investors. And he also talks about what makes a really good pitch because he sits through a lot of them. And so he has some advice for people coming into his office. He talks about why the people behind the business are more important than the actual business itself and the challenges that most businesses face when they're trying to grow. We talk about what the next industry that he's looking at and that he's investing in and the, his advice for people who are wanting to start a business. So let's get into it. I hope you enjoy this episode. Share it on Instagram stories, tag me and leave a review. I am sitting here today with my father. Would you like to introduce yourself and tell us what you do? Because that is the first question that people ask me and usually I can't answer it very well. In your own words. My name is Dave Anthony, and as Rachel said, most importantly of what I do, I'm Rachel's dad. Um, what I do in the business world is, I started as an accountant, um, but a number of years ago when uh, I left my I left my practice, really to become involved, uh, more involved with a number of my clients and, and to start to invest in their businesses and help their businesses grow, and then at a time with all businesses, have them sell uh, from that perspective. What is your business title then? My business title? Yeah. If somebody asks, oh, right, I still just tell them I'm an accountant. Okay. Mostly because that's just simpler. Like when you started, Rachel, and you said people ask you what your dad does, and you have difficulty explaining it. So the easy answer is I'm an accountant. Okay. He's not an accountant, but it's fine. <laughs> that's what we tell people. So when did you decide to leave accounting? Because you had your own firm, and then you decided to leave accounting to move on to your non-accounting business career? It really started from my practice. So I, I had a practice that was based on small businesses, helping small, medium to small businesses with business advice, tax advice, 
financial statements, dealing with their bank. And in, in that process, there was two, two of my clients in particular that were growing very quickly. They were, at the time, this was 20 years ago when this happened, where in an industry that was on the cutting edge, one of them was in the, the very beginnings of the online learning industry. Um, they were trying to grow, grow quickly, um, become a public company. And so it led me to leave my practice and, and join just a couple of them to help them move forward with their goals and their business. So did you have, you already had clients then, so when you left, you had clients you know you would have. Did you have to find more clients or was that enough to get you through those like first couple of years? With everybody who's out and self-employed and, and, and an entrepreneur, um, you're always looking for new clients or new projects. Because um, that's really what it is for mine. It's looking for projects as opposed to, to clients. So when I did leave my practice, I had two that I could work on. Um, one that was in the oil field services business that was, that was trying to, to sell themselves. And then the online learning business that was trying to grow and become a public company. But from that day on when I left my practice, it was always a, uh, a process of finding other projects because they come and they go. Um, some last for quite some time, others all of a sudden you know, for one reason or another. And at, at that point in time too, I still had a young family. And, uh, and so I had to always be cognizant of that, of, of what I needed to do and, and look after that part of my life as well. Right. And so how do you decide which businesses to invest in? So I'm sure, especially now you get a lot of pitches coming through. So how do you decide which ones are worth it? There are a lot of pitches and, and, and they're from all sorts of industries. But the, the first item in all of the industries or all of the businesses that I look at in the decision point are actually the people that have started and run it. Because that's really what you're investing in at all times. You're investing in the person. There are lots of ideas and there are lots of projects and in different industries, but it's the person that matters. Do they really believe in what they're doing? Do they have some you know knowledge that, that would be that would, that would be very relevant to what they're doing? Do they have a passion for what they're doing? Those are the ones that are there because at the end, that's that's what will make, in particular, when like I said, most of mine were small to medium businesses. It's the it's the owner and the driver for it all, and that's the important factor. So it's always, I'm, I know with lots of people now, it, it's it's emails and it's texts. You know, again, with my age, I'm a little more old school. I like to actually meet them and talk to them and see them get them to explain their business to me. So I, a lot of the pictures that come, the initial ones will come as PowerPoint and a, you know, a web call and a Skype call. But if, if they're ones that are close enough for me to have them either come to my office or me to go to their office, I'll go and I'll spend the time with them to try and get to know where they're trying to go more than anything else. Great. And what would be your best advice and tips that you can give people who are coming, say they're going to either your office or they're going to someone else to pitch their company. What are, what's your advice for them? What's a good pitch? What are your favorites? Of the ones that are there? Yes. One of the ones is, is uh, I always tell people to be prepared. Know who you're coming to see as well. So not that there's anything in particular you have to know about somebody like myself, but you know, because my background's finance. So when you're making the pitch, you know, gear it towards a finance person if you're coming to see me. If you were going to see somebody that in the engineering world do the same thing, so it, it will appeal to them because that's that's the their mind looks at it from that side. Um, be prepared when you're there, um, and don't be afraid when you're when you're giving a pitch. If, if a question comes to say I don't I don't know that right now, but I will get back to you. 
there's something that that's one of the things I've always liked about any of the ones I've heard is when somebody does say, there's always something that, that they may not know the answer right then. You know, cause it's easy to tell sometimes when they're making it up as they go along, it's much better to say, I'm not sure. Can I get back to you tomorrow and then follow it up or get back to you later in the day and, and follow it up with you. That's the, the biggest key. So know who your audience is, be prepared for your audience. Um, from that perspective are, are the keys. Right. And so when you invest in a business and then you grow it, when do you decide that it's ready to be sold or when do you start looking for buyers? That usually it's one of the questions I actually ask people when they come in for the very first time is, is what is their end, end goal of this? You know, and, and most people don't like to admit when they're starting a business that they're actually looking to get out of it at some point in time. They think that's a bad thing to say to somebody who is evaluating your business to either help them or invest in them to say, well, I'm actually only thinking about doing this for three years and then I'm going to move on. But it's a, it's a valid question and every business has to have an endpoint. Whether that is just succession of some other people that work with you taking it over or actually outright selling it. So usually when it comes is, is looking at when a, I will look at a business to, to sell it when it's become mature. It's now self-sustaining. It's to a level of, of sales or services that it can, can work on its own. And the founding person isn't so important that something half them, the business will die. That's when you know you can now start to look for exits for ourselves as investors or exits for the, for the original founders of the whole business. Right. And when you look at these businesses, what's the biggest challenges that they all face? Cause I'm sure some businesses are more successful than other businesses. So what are some of the challenges or limitations that come up when you're working with these businesses? Usually the, the first one for most is um, they always have a, a, a very good idea. They have lots of enthusiasm, but they're undercapitalized. And then that can make it very difficult to execute on the plan when, when you get started and you run out of money. Um, so I always say to everybody, let's be sure that let's go through, let's go through a full budget for the next, you know, six months, 12 months, 18 months, 24 months. That's how much we need. And then generally add a little bit more because everything always costs more and takes a little longer than, than you expect. And that's usually what, what becomes the biggest problem for it is. They just don't have the capital to execute on their plan. And, and that, that's a difficult thing because capital's hard to come by and in today's economy, it's very hard to come by. Right. And so let's talk about kind of the businesses that you've invested in. So you started with oil and gas, obviously we're in Calgary, that's what everybody does. Uh, but you left it really before it all crashed. I'm sure you felt some of the recession part of it, but you you moved to different industries. So how did you have the foresight for that to move to a different industry before it crashed? Well, and, and that's another big, another key thing with, with small business and growing business. Foresight is, I appreciate you saying that, but some of it's just luck. Right. And, and that was that was a lot of it in that, that one. Um, and, and we always see too, when you're out raising capital for, for groups or for people, when industry starts to slow down, capital gets hard to, to come by. And so we could see that coming and it was getting more and more difficult to finance oil and gas or resource projects. So we started looking at, at other things at that time. So it wasn't that we had a, this grand foresight that oil was gonna drop 
and stay at a lower price and the city was going to go in the province and go through all the problems that it's in. Um, it was a little bit, a little bit of, of, you could see some of that coming, but it was, we just had other opportunities and could see some other places where ourselves and other investment groups were looking at it of, of just industries that were different and also then looked at geographically different places. Like you said, Rachel, we, you know, all lived here. So the resource industry is a big part of our life and still is. But to start looking outside of outside of Calgary, outside of Alberta, and outside of Canada for other opportunities, and so we end up in other in other industries. Right. And what were those industries that you went into after the resource industry? The the ones that that you know we really started in, and and some of it's like I say with when people come to see me with their ideas, it's things that interest you. I've always had an interest in in gaming. You know, from that perspective, you know that. Um, and so that's where it sort of started. We, the, the very first one we did outside of, uh, the resource industry was involved in the daily fantasy sports business. And that was probably six years or seven years ago now. And that really just comes from a, a personal interest in, in playing daily fantasy sports and in the gaming or less politely in the gambling world <laughs> of, of where it was. And that led to other opportunities. And as soon as as soon as you start looking and investigating opportunities that other ones come towards you as it, as your name gets out there that you're you're willing to invest or help companies that are in those spaces and so then it just sort of grows from there and, it, and it's and it's how it how it starts all the time so i went from the daily fantasy sports business into a little bit more into the gaming one and then that led us into the esports business of a basically an evolution of daily fantasy sports to to esports, and then that's led to um, some of the software projects we're now involved in. Um, so it, one goes to the other. Right, and so you say it's all interest based, but like I know because I also work for UMG, which is your esports company right now. But you have no idea what Call of Duty was or Halo or all of this. So it wasn't an interest because you have two other daughters. We played Mario Kart till we were like twelve. And that was it. So it was a little bit of an exaggeration that it was all your interest base. Uh, but why then did you pick esports? Because I know a lot of people find this interesting right now because now people are aware because of Fortnite and all of that that it is a growing industry. So why did, did you pick it for that reason? Or is just that just happened? It looked like a good investing opportunity? It, it was really more of the evolution. And that is the truth. Even at UMG that, that we now operate, most of the staff there are gamers and grew up as gamers. I'm, I'm the I'm an outsider, and they all make fun of that, and I'm and I'm used to that now. And I still don't. I haven't started gaming even because of that. Right. It, but where it really came was from from the uh, from the gaming side of the video, esports area of looking and saying, well, how can we take the the games are being played, the matches that are being played, the tournaments are there, and turn those into um, cash tournaments and into the gambling and wagering side to it. And that's really how it evolved from daily fantasy sports, which is gaming, a skill-based gaming event on real traditional sports. We tried to take that um, same approach to go into the esports, and because it, it does have, you know, like, like you had said, Rachel, the, the widespread um, I don't know, growth of esports. And so we just started with, with really the gambling side to it to see if we could grow it. And then an opportunity arose to invest and in the end purchase all of UMG, 
which is a tournament operator. So I went from just liking the gaming side of traditional sports to now owning and running a uh, esports tournament operator. Right. <laughs> Funny how life happens. <laughs> yes, it does. Sometimes things don't quite go where you right. where the direction is on. There's you know you have to pivot right. at times <laughs> to make things work. Right. And so do you like your role? Obviously, you would be is more than you initially thought. But how do you decide what role you're taking in the company? So you, sometimes you're just like the investor side, or do you always sit on the board? Or what kind of operation do you have on all the companies you invest in? With most of them, the, with UMG, I have gotten very much involved in, in day-to-days. And, and part of because I've, I've, I've tried to learn the industry. And that's another part of, it, of everybody who is, who is out there when we do this in different industries, is to always be open to try and learn a different one, even though we didn't grow up playing these games. They're, they're out there and to understand what they are. And usually my role in all of these is help on the finance side, because that's my background, but then just sort of an overall from the board perspective of guidance and advice as to where they're going. With UMG, because it has changed a lot, even in the three years that we've been involved, um, has, has it changed to, to make it that I'm involved in almost day-to-day operations of it. Um, there's a full staff and, and, a, and a very good one. Um, but I, again, try and make myself involved in all of it as, as it, as it grows and, and has been evolving into a different industry itself. Right. And so as a businessman, I'm sure you are, even though you are involved day to day in UMG, you have other projects where you're also looking to the next thing that's coming. So what would you say are the trends in industries, investing world, the business world in general? It is the truth. We, I'm always looking for what I'm going to do next. It, uh, been, it's been 20 years now doing this and, and I don't really see an end to, uh, to it. So I'm always looking for, for what's next. Um, and, and it gets back to how we moved out of the, out of the resource industry. We look at what the public's looking at because what the public's looking at is what investors will look at. So we're just in the beginnings of another industry that I had very little involvement with before, which is the hemp CBD industry. Uh, where it is, it's a uh, been a very hot topic for obviously in Canada and in the U.S. for what it is. So we start to look at opportunities into that, not directly in the cannabis space, but in the in the CBD and the, the health side of the CBD world um, as well. Because of the involvement with UMG and the the platform and the software it's built, we've I've looked at a lot of um, software and technology companies lately, app developers, and and where all of that is now starting to go. In uh, as an example, today I had a group in that went through an app that they developed that again started from the esports and the daily fantasy sports world, but it, it's really a rewards-based type system that's out there that they think will be able to be a, a white-label type opportunity for gaming, esports companies um, from that perspective. Cool. And uh, what advice would you give people who want to invest? So not the people that own the companies, but the people that want to invest in these companies. Like, how do they decide? What should they look up? The, fir- the first thing to do is always, you know, Learn as much as you can, again, back to where I started, about the people that are running it. Meet the people that are going to be there. Find out what their business is. 
take your time before you do invest. Um, it's always the same thing. We I've seen lots of lots of groups have come through. You know, they need an answer today because the answer always is if you will, if you need my answer today, if you're not going to give me as much time as I need to do my diligence and my research, well then the answer is no thanks. Um, so take your time, try and learn the business, understand the people that are behind it. You know, if, if you don't know something about it, and this is something that I've always been able to do, you know, given my background in my practice and all that I've done, you get to know a lot of people. And I, I know the networking is out there. It is important because then if I do have somebody who comes to see me about an industry that I don't know very much about, back to the esports world, I hope to know somebody that I can contact, talk to, see if they know something, if they know something about it. So it's the same with the investing. You know, if you're looking at a business, um, ask your friends, ask your business associates, ask your dad <laughs> and, uh, or your mom. Yeah. You know, they'll know, they'll have, they'll, right. they'll know somebody that's out there, but take your time, you know, do your homework, as they say, about, about the companies that you're going to invest in. And, and when they are there, you know, don't be afraid to ask them any questions that if, if they won't answer the questions for you, you know, that should tell you something in itself when you're, when you're looking at investing. If, if you're going to put your money up, like one of the first ones I always ask anybody is how much money they have into their own business. Because if they expect me to put my money in, they should have their money in too. Right. Um, and actually, since you mentioned networking, that was going to be another one of my questions. So, because for you, like you said, you know a lot of people. Anywhere we go, you always know people. You always get favors from people. You do favors for people. So how have you built your network over the years? Because obviously you started before LinkedIn existed. So the way we network is different than the way you networked, but how have you built it and how has it evolved over the last? It has years? changed. You can, yeah. you can go look at my, well, you've seen my LinkedIn. Yeah, it's weak. It's weak. <laughs> all six of my friends that I have on my LinkedIn profile are all weak. Um, it really started from when I, when I did have my practice. My practice was based on small business and, and I grew that. And I, at that point in time, you had to do your networking person to person. Crazy. Uh, crazy. And so, but it's still, a lot of the same things that I know you go to and you you see when there are events or there are seminars, I'll go, I'll be there. My world, you know, it, it, it's it's the groups that, that you know. So I, I spend lots of time with lawyers, other finance people, um, you know, to be out there. And it's the same thing as always, taking the time to talk to whoever, you know, because you never know. 15 minutes of talking to somebody you know, may seem like a waste all the time, but it, it never is. Uh, it's a, you know, it's a very small world now. Right. It is. Well, especially now that it's online too, so you can connect with more people even, even if you meet them in real life, then you can keep connecting with them online afterwards. My last question is, what do people need to know who are looking to start a business? What do they need to know to start their business? Yes. You know, the real thing is, is to, I, I would say to start your business in something that you have some, some passion about, you know, an industry or an idea that, that you really believe in, um, of what it is. I, I think now with, um, things are different now than, again, it makes me sound older, but then, you know, 30 years ago when I started in all this is there are lots of opportunities in there. If you have got something you have a passion for and interest in, Start, you know, be ready, but but at some point in time you, you do, and I know everybody says this, you just have to make that leap and, and go at it. You know, I did the same thing 
and when I left my practice. Practices are, are very good. They're, they're long-term. My, my partners at that time are still there and they still operate out. But to just, you know, I could have made excuses as to why I wouldn't, wouldn't change. But one day was just my last day of my practice and I started doing what I'm doing. You just have to have that leap and believe in yourself and then other people will believe in you too. And will believe in your project and then myself and groups like myself will, you'll find us, we'll take interest in it, we'll help you along, you know, it, it all ties together, you know, but it starts with you believing in what your project is and believing in yourself. Right. Great advice. Great follow-up <laughs> advice. You're welcome. I hope. <laughs> no, that was awesome. Um, I said that before we started that most of the people that I interview are younger and have just started businesses. So now we have real business life advice. So I appreciate it. Thank you for answering my questions. You're welcome. <laughs>